Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Evil Pudding Podcast, the Pudding Pod. Haven't said that in a while. My name is Courtney, and here with me is my lovely and talented co-host, Patrick. Hello, world. <laughs> and I'm sorry we're later than usual this week with the upload. It's but been an ordeal. It's been an ordeal. Life got in the way. And it's been a freaking ordeal on this But one. But we're here, and we're ready to do this thing. From tech issues to failures to... I know. Just literally life just got in the way of us finishing it, and then we finally got a chance to do it today, so... This is our only... It's only, like, the, what, third time recording? So it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's the third time. It's all good. Um, it's all good. <laughs> whatever. We're here, and I'm still super excited about this. I still have the same level of excitement that I did when we recorded two times ago. <laughs> so we're going to give it another shot. Um, before I get into it, I want to, every now and then, I like to shout out podcasts that I find and that I love. And... One podcast that we found is called The Nightcap, and you can listen to them on Spotify and I think other places as well, um, Google Podcast and whatnot. And if you're in search of the strange, unusual, and macabre, then I highly recommend them. They really outdo themselves from the audio, and the stories are just ones that I've never heard before. So definitely check them out. Amazing. Again, they're called uh, The Nightcap Podcast. So, today, Patrick, we have a different type of evil pudding. Yeah, we talked about it. It's not going to be our same old usual serial killer crazy guy. I needed a break. I don't blame you. I needed just a little bit. uh, Not that this is Sunny and uh, Butterflies kind of podcast, but I needed needed a little break from the serial sex offenders. (laughs) We'll get back to it. And the necrophiliacs and (laughs) all the fun stuff we've been talking about. But don't worry, we will be back to regularly scheduled programming next week with the crazy, scary people. Not that these people aren't crazy and scary, but today we will be talking about the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah! And um, it's still evil, but it's the kind of evil that um, hopefully wouldn't happen as much today. Although, I don't know. Today, we're going to take a little deep dive into the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. For some reason, at least here in the South where we live, schools briefly cover this topic in American history, but we kind of sweep it under the rug, I think, because it's such a shameful time in our country's history. After you hear the real story behind it, because we all know the folklore and, you know, the stories, the TV shows, the movies, the pop culture effects of it. But the truth behind it that you get into that uh, I heard for the first time like the other day was just like, yeah, no shit. No wonder why no one wants to talk about it. No, I wouldn't want to talk about it either if it was me. Like, ooh. Forget about it. Like, oh, yeah, that should happen anyway. Next next day. Next story. Never happened. So, yeah, like uh, our kids in school right now, they're learning about the crucible and they just barely skim over this stuff. I mean, they barely. And I was kind of going over some of the big facts and they were like, I've never heard that. Yeah. I've never heard that. So it's sad. So it's going to be history with Courtney and Patrick today. Dark history. Dark history. And today, Patrick is going to kind of take over and kind of do a big segment of this podcast. So he's going to try his hand at... I got promoted. He got got a from the script this time. (laughs) He got a promotion, guys. No more basement work for me. (laughs) Okay. So um, I think we could 
learn a lot about the implications of mass hysteria from studying this. So without further ado, let's jump right in. First, let me give you kind of a brief overview and then set the stage for you so that you can kind of have a better idea of what's going on and how the times were back then, because these people were on another level, whole nother level here. And uh, they're kind of hard to figure out and understand. And if we just jump into the Hangings or whatever, you're going to be like, wait, what? No, What's you going definitely on? need to get the backstory. Yeah, the layout. Okay, so location, Salem. Ni- I keep saying 1962. 1692. It's because your notes literally uh, say I know, and I never corrected it. <laughs> Salem is located in Massachusetts, which is in North America, in case you're not from the U.S. It was inhabited and governed at this time by a group of religious people called the Puritans which is just a very austere sect of Christianity. They are super, oh, what's the word? Um, Pious? Very, very pious. Devout, Devout, pious, judgmental, Uh, all of the above. Their name says it all, they're pure. Yeah, they're purists. Pure belief. They think that they're the superior organization for sure. So they are were super strict and highly pious, to say the least. So the Puritans had sought refuge in North America only about 70 years prior to the witch hunts. So they were kind of still fairly new to the area that they colonized in Massachusetts Bay. So they were kind of figuring their own things out. There was, it was chaotic, we'll say that. They had come over from Great Britain, of course, on the Mayflower. <clears throat> excuse me, on the Mayflower. And they instituted their own British government and laws over here. Massachusetts was a British colony before it was a state. So that's kind of how we're going to be referring to it, a colony. It's like a state. Okay, so how did this whole thing begin? I was surprised to learn that it began when a group of young girls, mean girls, if you will, between the ages of 12 and 20 years old, began publicly accusing members of their own community of using witchcraft to harm or torment them. Just because. Like, just because. You're going to end up hating them as much as we do by the time this is all over with. It's just a group of little mean girl bitches that did this whole thing. It really is. Puritan life back then was really a constant battle between good and evil. They believed that the devil actively stalked them and tempted them away from God. And those who gave in to the devil temp- devil's temptations thought to, they were thought to have special powers. So once somebody became a witch, this is crazy, they entered into an allegiance with the devil. The Puritans believed that they had to recruit other members to join them in their endeavors to please Satan. So it's kind of like a religious pyramid scheme. It's kind of like the <laughs> satanic Mary Kay. <laughs> the Puritans were... On a mission, really, to create, like their name says, a perfect, pure, godly society. There was just no room for this devil nonsense. So by the time that Salem witch trials had ended, more than 200 people had been accused. 19 were hanged. One person was crushed to death, which is a crazy story that we'll get into. And five or more had died in prison. This is what gets me. Two dogs were killed. Both black labs who the Puritans thought to be the messengers of the devil. It's so sad. Like, kill a dog? Jeez. One uh, dog was shot to death after one of the young girls in the group accused it of bewitching her. That's... Oh. Yeah. But that's a good example of how extreme and nonsensical these people could be. It's just disgusting. 
Also, you may be disappointed to learn that no witches will be burned at the stake today. It's a common misconception that witches were burned in Salem, but North Americans didn't believe in that at that time. We had some morals, okay? <laughs> but in all, seri- in all seriousness, that was more of a European thing. In fact, uh, about 2,500 women who were thought to be witches were burned at the stake after being tortured in England. More were burned in Scotland and Spain. So if y'all really wanted to get depraved, we can look at the witch hunts across the pond. Those were brutal. Like, absolutely, excuse me, absolutely brutal. But this isn't going to give you a happy outcome, so stick around. (laughs) That also brings into a good point, not only that, but I think the witch hunts in Europe were happening from, like, the mid-15th century, 1500s, all the way to the early 1700s. So this would have been still in a heightened time of the European witch trials. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're newly established uh, civilization so more people are coming in they're even they're scared that the people are fleeing the witch trials over there well coming and, to Salem yeah and then burning people was also a very Catholic thing because the Catholics didn't believe in shedding blood and they even though burning does shed yeah. blood really but no, they just, believed in not shedding blood so witches could only be burned after they were like stretched to death I have to go back and look but I mean it was Crazy. No, I was just saying to set the tone for why there's yeah. the wildfire no, absolutely. spread because they're already dealing with the witch hunt yeah. for hundreds, like a hundred years at this point. So they're in used England. to it. So now they're thinking anybody coming over here from there, and you'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. The outsiders. Yeah, the outsiders. Okay, so the Salem, like he just said, the Salem witch trials did not just happen overnight. There was a whole backstory and a lot of drama leading up to it. So it's important that we kind of start there so we aren't confused later on. Think about, it's kind of like the real housewives of Salem. Little no, dramatic. No. It is kind of, if no, you think not. about it. Desperate housewives? No, it's not. The show? It's literally mean girls. It's not desperate housewives. Housewives aren't doing anything but getting accused. It is kind of mean girls. Okay, so in 1691, mere months before the accusations were made, the British government in- issued a new charter for the colony of Massachusetts Bay. Increase Mather, which... Crazy name. Love it. Increase Mather and his son Cotton Mather, they were both prominent ministers. And if you were a fan like us of the um, TV show here in the U.S. produced by Marilyn Manson called Salem, you recognize those names because they were big characters. You're going to recognize a lot of these names. Anyways, uh, Increase and Cotton, his son Cotton, they were both ministers and they both played big roles in the institution of the new government for Massachusetts. Both of them believed firmly in the threat imposed by witchcraft and with the new charter. They were given the power to appoint some of uh, new members of law enforcement, which included justices of the peace, some of which who would preside over the upcoming witch trials. So two very powerful men. They had way too much power. And that was what I just described. That was more or less on the state or the colony level, if you will. And now we're going to go into the local level. Salem and the surrounding towns were up in arms, so to speak, because everyone was constantly quarreling over property and grazing rights. Remember, they've only been here for seven years. Sometimes they were quarreling over small debts, etc. So the courts were always inundated with ongoing lawsuits. It was neighbor pitted against neighbor, land disputes, stuff like that. I mention this because this caused tensions to run high and it made Salem really the perfect place for something like the witch trials to occur. Salem was the perfect breeding ground, so to speak, for mass hysteria. 
You add on to that an ever-growing population of non-Puritans moving to the area, and it's hard to imagine an eventual witch hunt not happening, to be honest. In fact, you'll see in a bit that the first of the three women to be arrested on charges of witchcraft were what we call, or they called nonconformists or non-Puritans. Basically, they just didn't jive with the Puritan way of life. They basically didn't follow their laws to the T, and they That's said, it. Oh, you're nonconformist, you're a witch. Also, make no mistake that at this time, Massachusetts was in the middle of King's William's War. So, King William's War, excuse me. We could almost do a whole episode on that. It was effectively the new settlers were encroaching on Native American territory, and they stole their land, and battles were savage on both sides. So Salem at this time, and I'm sure the Natives as well, they were living under constant threat of attack, so people were scared. This caused, you know, of course, an air of paranoia, especially amongst women and children in Salem. But in their religion, the Puritan religion, this ongoing violence was a clear sign that the devil was closing in on them. So this was just the devil was all around them all the time. You know, it's what they talked about. That's what they learned in church. Okay, so just to confuse you a little more, (laughs) there were two Salem's. There was Salem Town and Salem Village. The village population was mostly farmers, and the town, on the other hand, had a powerful and wealthy merchant class. Salem Village would elect Samuel Paris as their minister, who, of course, was a strict Puritan. We wouldn't expect anything less. And he would be at the center of the upcoming trials that we're going to see. Salem town hated Samuel Paris, so tensions were high between the two, even though they shared the same courts and government. So it's confusing, I know, but it's important to set up the story. Are, are you with me? <laughs> yeah, not, I don't think it's confusing. Okay. It's just like modern day or any time period where you have, you know, your blue collar area and your yeah. red collar area. So yeah. I mean, you even look, you know, a TV show, you, my, your daughter and I watch uh, Outer Banks. Yes. You got the rich kids mm-hmm. and the poor kids that run the, basically work in the town and all the rich people that vacation there kind of thing. Exactly. But they all live there. They don't vacation there. You got the rich merchants versus the people that work the land and the yeah. The ones that get their hands dirty. Yeah, it's kind of like the ski towns where you get all the tourists and. Yeah, I mean you can you can equate it to anything. It's anything. Just, it's a divided area. So at this time, Salem had two prominent families that we're going to hear a lot of: um, the Putnams and the Porters. Both were super rich. Both on in the um, the Putnams were Puritan farmers in the village, but on the other hand, we have the Porters who were part of the town's growing merchant class. So Putnams were in the village, and Porters were in the town. <laughs> So years before the witch, tri- witch trials happened, the porters were responsible for flooding Putnam land. That's how they make their money. So it was a huge ordeal. So, of course, lawsuits were filed, and there was just constant conflict. It was a saga, to say the least. There was also, of course, an element of racism involved. We all know racism stems from ignorance and fear, and the Puritans believed the influence of other races with other belief systems as we will see this come to life with a woman named Tichuba. You recognize that name, huh? Of course. She was a Caribbean slave who practiced fortune-telling, and that is a huge no-no in she's the Puritan so, religion. She's had so many roles in this over Absolutely. pop culture TV shows where she was like the main witch or the one that was helping the main witch. Or, she is a pop culture icon, Tichuba. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into the meat and potatoes, the fun part, if you will, of the witch trials. Now that we're kind of set up and we have a very rough general 
um, understanding of how things are. Okay, so in February of 1692, the daughter of Reverend Samuel Paris, so the Reverend's daughter, nine-year-old Betty, and her cousin Abigail began having fits, what was described as fits. According to the surviving accounts of these so-called fits, which, by the way, they're in Old English, and it is very hard for me to read those and be like, oh, yeah. Ye old fit be thrown yeah. upon thine ground. What, what, what? Yeah, you can't look at it and be like, oh, that's laryngitis, or that's... It's like trying you know, to understand Shakespeare, trying to describe it. It's something. just, it's so beyond, yeah. So these so-called fits, the girls were screaming, convulsing. They were crawling around and writhing on the ground. It just sounds like a tantrum to me. Yeah, I mean, and we, we said this before we talked about it. It could sounds like a tantrum, but it, you know, it could also be a medical condition like a, oh, absolutely, epilepsy or something like that. They also would have um, bruises and scratches on their skin, not too alarming unless it was excessive. Didn't say it was excessive. Um, you know, they're nine. <laughs> sure enough, other young girls started to join them, including Elizabeth Hubbard and Anne Putnam, granddaughter of the patriarch of the Putnam family. By the way, Anne Putnam, hater. Hater, and you will too, not just me. Both girls were 12 years old, and they were said to have started behaving this way after they were caught allowing Tichuba, their family's slave, to teach them about fortune telling. So just think about that. They were caught having Tichuba tell them all about fortune telling. They probably got in trouble, and so they're going to try to get out of it because they were probably punished because obviously, you know, that's huge. Doctors examined all the girls, but they could find no ailment other than just strange behavior. So as we will see with the Puritans, when science falls short, it's got to be the devil, right? (laughs) It's got to be witchcraft. So let's talk about what could be wrong with these girls, because I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that it wasn't witchcraft. Maybe that's just me. Highly doubt it. So some modern day experts in child psychology think that it's possible that one of the girls could possibly be the victim of some kind of abuse and their erratic behavior was a coping strategy that they're using since they're not able to verbalize their trauma. And also, remember, therapy was not a thing yet and kids weren't exactly encouraged to play and get out, you know, their aggressions and they couldn't just, act, you can't act out. You can't be bad, ever. Yeah, and not only that, it was when you were, I mean, this is, 1690 Puritan life, they beat the dog shit. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so you be cannot a be a kid. Of cases of abuse doing this. And especially if you're a young girl. You get your ass beat. You're a young girl, and that's a whole different level. You're expected to, you know, cook clean from the time you open your eyes. So this was a very serious society, and women and girls had to behave a certain type of way. So it's not like these girls could have any outlet, emotional outlet. And if one girl was indeed acting out as a result of the trauma, It's quite possible that the other girls could possibly be mimicking the hysteria. Possibility. I'm not saying that any of this is fact. I'm just giving y'all some theories. It's unknown, and all records are so old, like I said, and written in Old English, and it's not the easiest to interpret. So we can't really see all the symptoms for ourselves. Another theory that was originally posited by scientists in the 1970s, which is kind of funny, The girls could have suffered from convulsive ergotism. So what's that? According to PubMed.com, the clinical features of convulsive ergotism uh, are muscle twitching, spasms, hallucinations, sweating, and fever. So how do you get 
compulsive ergotism. You get it by uh, eating a fungus called ergot. And ergot is a derivative of LSD. Ergot can be found um, on rye, which is what they used back then and nowadays to bake bread. So these girls could quite literally be having LSD trips. Which, that's one of the two theories that kind of makes the most sense to me. Because later they, on, later yeah, especially. On, a lot yeah. of stuff that goes on, a lot of stuff they say, and it's so, <laughs> it's so prevalent. The pamphlets. Well, I mean, it's so prevalent that everything they're using rye for that has this fungus on it that if this fungus is causing you to trip and everyone's taking it in well to be honest and they're acting so batshit crazy and out of the blue (laughs) out of left field it's like y'all gotta be on something yeah we'll talk about normal people don't act like this just remember (laughs) when you start hearing some of these things that you're like think lsd might be the case you're gonna be like okay (laughs) that kind of makes sense yeah use high okay So it's also worth mentioning, and I think that this holds a lot of weight, especially since uh, one of the girls was the daughter of the minister. Yeah, this was the the other theory that it was most probable, I think. It's also worth mentioning that Cotton Mathers, remember him? He was uh, the minister that was given lots of power over the whole colony. Mm -hmm. Um, He had just written a book called, I hate this name, Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcraft and Possessions. And it was published just one year prior to the girls' fits. So it's quite possible that um, one of the girls' dad, the minister, had the book in his office and she went and looked at it. Because get this, they actually, Cotton had um, written a list of symptoms, like detailed descriptions of what it would be like to be possessed by witches. And the girls' symptoms lined up perfectly with Cotton's. So odd right not saying that's the case but i mean that's logical to me or we talked about this earlier did the girls just call out witchcraft to be blamed to avoid getting in trouble for listening to the fortune telling of tichiba they had been caught listening to tichiba teach them who say that three times fast tichiba teach them all <laughs> about reading fortunes which is a huge no-no so they to avoid getting in trouble right so i think it's Possession of the devil. A combination of everything. Obviously, we don't know the real cause, but I think, you know, obviously, I think they were like, hey, we weren't doing it. It was her. She did witchcraft. And then yeah. they, they they started getting attention, right? So they're lining up all their symptoms to this book, and everyone's like, oh, it must be witches. Think so. And then these girls get so much power. They, they do get power here in a little bit. Yeah, they, oh, like, not, and I know, you s- never, don't give a nine-year-old like power, guys. power, but like literally like political power. I know. And then they're all high as shit. They're giving <laughs> godly power because they were, I mean, of life and death. Yeah. People were, it's just ridiculous. Anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So whatever the cause of this, witchcraft was to blame, the girls, they were like, they were asked, okay, well, who's responsible for this? And the girls would first identify three outsiders as witches. All three outsiders, non-Puritans, that they identified were naturally easy targets. Because remember, Puritans do not like outsiders. It's hard to believe, if you think about it, that full-grown adults, especially in positions of power, especially magistrates, would sit there and listen to 12-year-old girls blame witches for their behavior. And they're just like, yeah, it makes sense. Let's rage, you know? LSD. (laughs) So that was a direct quote, by the way. Let's rage. Old English. Just kidding. Let me rage you. <laughs> Let us be rage. <laughs> so the accused were Tichiba, of course, who we discussed earlier. Then Sarah Good 
who was also not originally from Salem. Her father, sadly, had committed suicide. And even after she married, she was really poor. She earned a reputation for being argumentative and unpleasant. And she didn't go to church. Oof. Three for three, Sarah. Three strikes. So she was obviously up to no good, right? Jezebel. And then there was Sarah Osborne. By the way, you're going to hear lots of Sarahs mentioned. Lots of Sarahs. Everybody's named Sarah. She, Sarah Osborne was related by marriage to John Putnam, the powerful Putnams. After her husband died, she married her indentured servant, which you don't do, okay? And then she went on. This is even worse. She denied her sons, which were Putnams, the Putnam inheritance. This made the Putnam family rage. And this flouted social norms back then. You you don't do that. So she was just a perfect target for the Putnams because, remember, Anne Putnam was the bitch that accused her of sorcery. It served them well. It served the Putnams to accuse her and be rid of her. So that's what happened. All three women were quickly arrested, and they faced grueling interrogations by the two town magistrates, John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corrin. They were most likely tortured as well, just saying that. In fact, I would bet my life on it. I'd bet it. The first hearings would begin on March 1st, 1692, and they lasted several days. Tichipa confessed to witchcraft. I was kind of shocked to learn that, but I have a theory. And she even went on to name the other two women and confirm them as fellow witches in her coven, which is like, why, Tichiba? Why would you do that? We kind of discussed that later on. Yeah. And this could have a lot to do with Tichiba's slave status. And she was, this was self-preservation for her, you know, or they could have uh, tortured her, a confession out of her. It's, It's hard to say, you know. Oddly enough, many of the people who were accused would confess either during questioning or during the trial, one of the two. I think their options were limited, though. If a person was being, de- uh, being a, or if a person denied being a witch to a court, then they were convicted and they would face death. We see that. If a person said, I'm not a witch, they were almost always put to death. I don't, I, I, I'm sure they had their reasons. But if a person confessed, And especially if they named other witches, giving them other names, their life would be spared. Almost always, we see. Mm -hmm. So it sounds good, right? You get to live. However, you, you get to live, but you're banished. And back then, your land was your survival. You and your family's way of surviving. And your land was taken from you. So... Your, your odds weren't good. You were either starved to death or killed by Indians, one of the two. So if you are accused, you're just screwed, in other words. Yeah, but either and your certain, family's screwed. Either were certain death or you had a chance to not be certainly dead. You had a chance to fight, at least, yeah. I guess. It's just your family has to suffer if you're accused, at least, well, like and it's fam- just so sad. Your family's going to suffer regardless. During the second round of accusations, the accused were not necessarily outcasts this time. One of the newly accused was Martha Corey, who, unlike the first three women, was an active member of the community in the church. Her issue was, though, that she did not believe in witchcraft and was widely outspoken on the matter. That's a no-no. You have to believe in witchcraft. She also was very vocal about her opinion that the young girls were liars. (laughs) Well, that's a way to get caught. That's, whew. Ann Putnam was her accuser. Along with a friend of Ann's, 
uh, 14-year-old Mercy Lewis. Then Dorothy Good, this is sad and crazy, Sarah Good's daughter, Dorothy Good, was accused of witchcraft. So this little bitchy girl group of whistleblowers had alleged that Dorothy practiced witchcraft alongside her mother. Here's the kicker, though. Dorothy was only four freaking years old. She was a toddler, a literal toddler. Tragically, Dorothy's testimony would lead to uh, would lead to condemning her mother to death. Not that she meant to, but she's four, and she's being questioned. I know it's ten They're words. not allowed representation. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Also, the accused were not allowed attorneys, so they all had to argue for themselves, even if they were toddlers. Dorothy would be imprisoned for nearly a year. Her father, after all this ended, was able to get her from prison after the trials ended, but she was insane by then. She lived an absolutely tortured life and had to be cared for for the rest of her life. So I imagine being in a Puritan prison couldn't be all that pleasant. It was was rough. And it's also, that makes it when it's, you know, a child, not even a child, a toddler, a baby, it's hard to believe that we would allow something like this to happen, you hey, know? You, you see the pictures. And you There's see mothers the living and stuff. there. It's like, it's not even really prisons at this point from all the... It's like zoo... It's like cages. It's like zoo cages, yeah, where you go in and... Because they're, they're, you know, not, maybe not at this point, but they're about to get overcrowded. So they're literally like putting people in cages. But just, just being, I don't, even if they are of my religion, if I'm sitting there seeing, as a mother, seeing a child be imprisoned... You know, screaming, probably missing her mom, not yeah, understanding. The, I don't know how. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they let it go. At this point, it's gotten to the point that if anyone stands up and is like, hey, that's fucked up. You got a four-year-old in a cage and you're trying to try them as being a witch and they can't even defend themselves. Guess oh what? You're God. a witch. You're a fucking witch. And you're a witch. And you're you're all a witch. You're all witches. And that is what happened. Rebecca, Rebecca Nurse was also accused by Ann Putnam, of course. Jesus, Ann, go away. Nurse, Rebecca Nurse, was 71 years old, and she would be the old, one of the oldest accused. Her arrest came as a shock since she was a regular churchgoer, and everybody liked her in the community. She had a reputation for generosity and piety, as a matter of fact. I'm going to go on record and guess that she probably, some way along the line, scorned the Putnam family. Oh, I'm sure. Because it seems like every damn person accused, the Putnams had an issue with. Little Anne, and they used Anne somehow. So the second round of accusations that we just heard their names um, shook the community more than the first. Like I said, these were well-respected members of the community, and one was a toddler. (laughs) So you would think they'd do something about it, but no. All of the community was like, God, the devil, if the devil's powerful enough to corrupt them, even a child, then anyone could be next, right? Literally, they got a child. You know, religious people and an old woman who'd been a part of the church and generous for her whole life. So if he can do that to them, you can do it to anyone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, by the way. More and more accusations were made during the month of March, including a married couple, John and Elizabeth Proctor. They were on the show Salem, too. Mm-hmm. These accusations cascaded into more accusations since, remember, you're more likely to be pardoned and lived and just banished, right? Just as long as you. Um, named other people. Name names, you know. Say snitch. you're say you're guilty and name names. Snitches get stitches. They just don't, <laughs> they don't hang. They don't hang. They just starve and whatnot. 
But as the accusations grew, the doubt started to grow. In early April, Mary Warren, Proctor's accuser, admitted to lying about allegations of witchcraft. Not sure how this happened, but um, Mary was then accused of witchcraft as a result, and she was among several other young women arrested on April 18th. Her confession to lying did nothing to slow their arrests. So basically, to sum it up, she said, look, I lied about all these people being witches. And everyone was like, oh, well, you must be a witch yourself. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you're talking about the three-year-old people are like, hey, I'm a mother. I need, that's not right. But everyone's going to get it. Like, if you say that's wrong, you're like, you're a witch. Oh. So several people, too, would be arrested, like you were saying, for defending Rebecca Nurse. Because she was a great and giving member of the community. So people stood up and they were like, no, she's great. She's not a witch. This just got, they were arrested for saying that. (laughs) This just goes to show you the level of conformity and fear of the time, I think. So it's just insane, sad and insane, scary, all of the above. At the end of April, several of these little mean girl bitch groups, they would accuse former Salem minister, a whole minister, a whole ass minister, George Burroughs. He was arrested in Maine and brought to Salem to stand trial. So poor George, he wasn't even there. He was in Maine. <laughs> He's retired. He's like, peace out. I'm out with my family. I'm going to go retire. Up He's in, in Maine. Whatever the hell there is and in Maine. If people came and got him, they're like, you a witch. And he's like, huh? Hey, we need you to come back to Salem, George. Uh, I, I retired. I'm not there. No, we got a witch problem. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a preacher anymore. And they said, no, no. You're a motherfucking witch, sir. Don't ask questions, George. You're under arrest. And he's like, Get on what? the horse. Get on the horse. <laughs> get in the wagon. Oh, but get this. Um, it's odd that he was accused because coincidentally, during his time as a minister... His wages were unpaid by the village, so he ended up borrowing money from who? Oh, a Putnam. A Putnam, Thomas Putnam. Just because, not because he wanted to gamble or do anything crazy. He just had to bury his wife. That's all. But he did leave the village without ever repaying his debts. So the Putnams were pissed. The Putnams stayed pissed, I That's think. That's how petty these fucking Putnams are. Like, petty Putnams. Not only are they petty, like, having this witch trial shit going on, but they're like, you know what we should get? A motherfucker that borrowed $12 and buried his wife and never paid me back. I'm going to go get his ass from me. <laughs> yeah, accuse him of witchcraft. What? In fact, though, sadly, uh, he would be among those that were hung. Yeah. And I hate that. He even he even recited the Lord's Prayer before hanging, and it was believed amongst the Puritans that a witch could not do so. This would cause doubt amongst the community, but somehow he was still executed. Like, he proved that he could say the Lord's Prayer but he was still executed. By the way, th- this was called a witch test, something like that. Like if you could say the Lord's Prayer, you supposedly weren't a witch because witches aren't able to do that without stuttering or being tongue t- tongue-tied. But uh, later I'm going to go, or Patrick is going to go over some of the witch tests that were used to so on the accused so <laughs> to see if they were in fact witches. And they are just wild, like bananas. You're not going to believe them. So after Burroughs, the minister, his arrest, approximately 20 others had been accused and arrested. This sparked larger forces of government to go ahead and intervene, which is a good thing, right? No. Maybe these new guys could... You're like, hey, what y'all doing down there? We want in. (sighs) So Sir William Phipps, 
an increased matter arrived in Boston and convened a special court to deal with accusations. The court was called a court of Oyer and Terminer, and it's used at various times across across British history to deal with special crimes, I guess, like witchcraft and the like, and you can kind of look it Crap, up and Google it. There's no laws written about <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So just kind of, you know, the specialized crimes like witchcraft. So prior to these guys arriving, accused witches were questioned in front of magistrates, right? They were remanded to jail where they would await trial. But with this new fancy court, the official phase of prosecutions as well as executions would begin. So it just sped up the process. Like, we got to clear out these prisons, people, and start hanging us some witches. Yeah, they, they were like, hey, y'all got some crazy shit going down there with some witches. You need to hang that. some of these people. Let us get involved because I think this is getting out of hand. We just need to kill them faster. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks for the help, guys. Wonderful. Super helpful. This is where the witch tests come into play. So let Patrick read off some of these to you. They're ridiculous, and they sound like they were made up by some sadistic child. But before that... We're going to take a little break. Take a quick break. Take a quick break, and we will meet you back here in a few. All right. So now the fun part. So uh, Take it away, Pat. Thank you for a little break we had there for a second. Had to prepare ourselves for the fucking witch tests. I love Which you. are insanity. This is where the LSD comes in. That's what I think. Um, Courtney will have sources that she got all this stuff from, and I don't know if she said it earlier. She'll post it on the, the show notes, the podcast sure. notes uh, on our website and stuff like that. So... Without further ado, let's get into the most ridiculous fuckery of this whole story. So we have the swimming test. This is probably the most known about or most common one with the folklore. It's more in pop culture. Yeah, the pop culture side of it. So as an infamous part, the swimming test, uh, accused witches were dragged to the nearest body of water, stripped to their undergarments, bound, and then tossed to see if they would float or sink. Publicly, by the way. Yeah, in front of the whole town. The whole town's like, you're a witch, throw them in the water. Get them naked first, though. Yeah. Since witches were believed to have spurned the sacrament of baptism, it was thought that the water would reject their body and prevent them from submerging. So according to this logic, an innocent person would sink like a stone, but a witch would simply just bob on the surface, which is a death sentence no matter what you do, because if you sink like a stone, you're going to drown. You know what would have been hilarious? You know those lush bath bombs that are black and they turn your bath water black? If somebody would have just had one of those. Just took it with them. Just turn the water black. Like, oh, she's a witch. Stuff it in your bra. (laughs) (laughs) So the victim would typically have a rope tied around their waist so they could be pulled from the water if they did sink. Uh, But that actually attested to more drownings because you're adding more weight to these people sinking. Makes total sense, Puritans. Obviously, if they floated, they're witches. And... Ironically, once they sink and they die and they drown, they're going to float back up to the surface. So they're like, oh, they are witches. No one ever accused them of being rocket scientists, Oh, man. So (laughs) then we have the prayer test, which you kind of alluded to a little bit with the minister. So with Minister George Burroughs, witches were supposedly incapable of speaking scripture out loud. So the accused sorcerers, sorcerers, were made to recite selections from the Bible, usually the Lord's Prayer, but they could not make one single mistake or stutter. So for any of us, no that have, pressure. Yeah. So for anybody that has given an oral presentation, uh, done a job interview with a gun to your head, recited you know the NCO creed in the military or went to a promotion mm-hmm. board in the military, you're being told to do this and you can't miss up one word or you're dead. So yeah. let me know any of y'all are able to do that out there because I'm seriously impressed if you are. Nice. And which Burroughs actually did this. He made yeah, zero no. mistakes. 
and he was still executed. Yeah. Uh, so while it may have been a simple sign that suspected witches were illiterate or nervous, any errors were viewed as proof that they were speaking with the tongue that was in league with the devil or mm-hmm. speaking with the devil's tongue or they just couldn't do it. So the test is basically a public ability – a public speaking ability that was used as hard as evidence. Like it was like hard today's evidence, yeah. DNA. Like you can do this, you're guilty, which is weird because Burroughs, Burroughs was – yeah. He did it the other way, and they're like, nah, it doesn't count. It's hard evidence only if you have a stuttering problem or something. <laughs> they basically were like, no, you don't count. No. It doesn't count. So now we have the touch test. Mm. This is a weird one. Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> the touch <laughs> test worked on the idea that victims of sorcery would have a special reaction to physical contact from their witch. Uh, in cases where a possessed person fell into these fits uh, that they had, or their tantrums, basically, the suspected witch would be brought into the room and mm-hmm. asked to lay hands on them. Uh, a non-reaction signaled innocence. So the witch touched them and it didn't change anything. So obviously that's not the witch. Yeah. But if the victim came out of their fit, it was seen as proof that the suspect had placed them under a spell, which I'm not even halfway through this one. And I'm telling you right now, it sounds so ridiculous. You could, it's so easily faked. Yeah. Oh. You're, you're spazzing me on the ground. I put my hand on you. You're like, oh, I'm cured. You're a, kid. I'm you're a cured. kid playing make-believe and yeah. pretend. These are little kids accusing these people. Yeah. So touch tests played famous parts in the 1662 trial of Rose Cullender and Amy Denny, mm-hmm. two elderly English women charged with bewitching a pair of young girls. That's where they got the name for Denny's Breakfast Place, by the way. Oh, nice. I'm just kidding. I That's didn't not. think that, but okay. That's not true. That'd be really weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the children had been suffering from fits. Uh, with their fists so tightly clenched that even the strongest men could not pry their fingers apart. Must be real, then. Uh, and early tests showed they easily opened whenever Colander or Denny touched them. Ooh. So they touched them, and miraculously, their hands just opened. So to ensure the reaction was genuine, the judges said, yeah. well, let's blindfold the kids and mm-hmm. have other members touch them. Makes and, sense. And I would do that, too. Oh, yeah. It's real. scientific. And then the girls That's unclenched scientific. their fists anyway. Which suggested they were faking. So anyone touches these kids, they're like, look, my hands. And they're like, no. Oh, so when, uh, that when, wasn't the, enough for when their witch touched them, they still they unclenched them. Or they kept them clenched. But when just a random person touched them, they thought, oh, this has to be my witch. Well, when they, the, when they saw them. the witches touching them gotcha. when they were not blindfolded, they let their hands go like, oh, yeah. that was my witch. But, but then they didn't know when they were blind. No, the, the, at first they did. Okay. When they were blindfolded... <laughs> Everyone was touching them, yeah. and all the people they were opening their hands up, even their own witches. Right. Okay. So they have no because they have no idea who's touching them. They it think is, it's still the witch. It's just so. It's and this is like in court. But guess what? That, yeah, that's not good enough. That's not enough to prove your innocence. So right. Cully and Denny were both later hanged as witches, uh, all because the mean girls were playing make believe. Patrick, you can't be too careful these days. <laughs> so now we come back to the one test that. Oh, my favorite. Goes back to my LSD theory. So, okay. you know, y'all remember the ergot mushroom fungus mm-hmm. was on their rye bread. Yeah. As I read this to you, try not to act like you're tripping balls when you hear this. You got some, yeah. So, sure. we are talking about the test called the witch cake. Ooh, it sounds like a lovely dessert, isn't oh, it? Oh, no, it's fucking terrible. Okay. Uh, a bizarre form of counter magic. Mm. Uh, the witch cake was a supernatural dessert used to ID suspected evildoers. In cases of mysterious illness or possession, witch hunters would take a sample of the victim's urine, mm. mix it with, with what? Rye. Yep, rye meal. The LSD rye. And ashes, and then bake it into a cake. What mm. the fuck? <laughs> Makes sense. Scientific. Science. Now it gets even weirder. This was then used to feed a dog, or their familiars, 
which were what the animal helpers of the witches. Of course, frogs makes sense. Oidles. Yeah, frogs, turtles, and all those other weird animals from the TV show. So in a hope that the beast would fall under its spell and reveal the name of the guilty sorcerer. So let me just break that back down for you. They couldn't figure out who this person was being possessed by, so they took their piss, got, got, some, got some of that LSD rye, made a cake, fed it to the dog, and the dog was going to be like, yep, yeah, it was Steven. Like how, I have a question. How would the dog tell, like the dog would speak? That would reveal it to the name of the guilty sorcerer. So I'm assuming it would speak. So during the hysteria that preceded the Salem witch trials, the slave Tetchiba famously prepared one of these witch cakes to identify the person responsible for bewitching young Betty Paris and others. Uh, this failed to work. Uh, I guess the dog didn't tell them names. Mm. The dog didn't say, oh, it was fucking Michael. <laughs> so it didn't work. Uh, but her Tichuba's suspected knowledge of spells and folk remedies was later used as evidence against her when she was accused. All right, we got three more to go. Oh, good. You don't want to skip these for no, sure. No, we're not skipping these by any means. Yeah, uh, they're worth a listen. The Witch's Mark. Oh, yeah. The witch's we all mark. have them, by the way. Yes, we pretty much all do. Um, so basically, a witch hunter often had their suspects stripped naked publicly and would examine their bodies inch by inch for signs of a blemish, like a birthmark or a freckle, a mole, mole, uh, that were said to receive, the witches were said to have received upon making their pact with the devil. This Mm -hmm. devil's mark could supposedly change shape and color Mm -hmm. and was believed to be numb and insensitive to pain. Mm. So, of course, the asshole Puritans, as they were, would search for the witch's teat, which mm-hmm. is an extra nipple that the witch would suckle their animal helpers or familiars. So their frog could breastfeed off third, their third nipple. Yes, that's Kay. exactly it. Okay. There was no LSD used in making of these stories. They put that on their <laughs> pamphlet of things to look out for <laughs> and handed it out to the Their pamphlet that they walked around going, have you seen a witch here? Read, read thine pamphlet. I would, I would like take... No, no, I wouldn't, but I wonder if people were, like, taking their kids down there and being like, hey, look at this mark, magistrate. Is this a teat? Oh, I'm sure they were. Because she, we found a rat in the house. Or, yeah, yeah, we found a rat in the house, so there was a snake in the house. Is that breastfeeding feeding off my kid? And I, my wife has this mole <laughs> that I don't remember her having oh, kind God. of thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that brings you to the pricking and scratching tests. So if the witch hunters couldn't find the obvious witch marks... On the body, they would resort to the ghastly practice of pricking, which just basically was a way for them trying to find it. So their books and instructional pamphlets, as we've talked about, <laughs> the trifold pamphlet. Who drew the graphics for them? <laughs> I want to see the graphics on this one. <laughs> I'm going to need pictures. Their trifold pamphlet would note that the marks were insensitive to pain and couldn't bleed. So they... Examiners called prickers would use specially designed needles to repeatedly stab and prick the accused person. So if you had a mole, a freckle, a wart, they would just repeatedly <laughs> stab your ass. Ow. And if you didn't make a noise, that was your witch mark. Oh. They would repeatedly stab and prick at an accused person's flesh until they discovered a spot that produced the desired results. So not only was it like, if I stabbed you enough, like you said... The, the pain might just go away. They become numb to the pain. Yeah. They literally did it until they got the result. So, like, if I stabbed you and it hurt, they're like, oh, that doesn't count. Yeah. Let me stab you eight more times. Oh, you're making noise. Oh, that doesn't count. By the 109th time, you were like, you know what, fuck, it doesn't hurt anymore. 
I'm not going to make a noise. And they went, that's it. That's your mark. It's so ridiculous. And this was hard evidence and scientific. You know, maybe as Courtney noted, this could be where, you know. I think it's where the term prick prick came from. Or calling someone a prick came from. Like, is it? You prick Because you usually say that to someone that's poking at you. Like verbally or emotionally. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's possible. Uh, and then our last witch it's test. More possible than a dog talking to you. That's for after I eat sure. the piss cake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last one is the incantations, also known as charging. So this test would involve forcing a accused witch to verbally order the devil to let the possessed victim come out of their fit or trance. Oh, I forgot about this one. Yeah. Other people would also utter the words to act as a control. Judges would then yeah. gauge whether the statements had any effect on the vis- vis- victim's condition. My lord, I couldn't say that. So basically, <laughs> the kids are having fits again, just like the touching one. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of touching you, you know, the witch is supposed to say, make them command the devil to tell them to stop, and the kids would miraculously but stop. But as a control, you would have the rest of the people in the room saying so the same thing. So they're fucking saying it at the same exact time. To seem fair, but to they weren't fair. Because <laughs> you go and get hanged anyway. Because <laughs> if, if everyone's saying it. Yeah. The judge is basically looking at the, the accused and the kid being like, oh, you said something, so yeah, it worked. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. The charges were famously used in the 16th century trial of Alice Samuel and her husband and daughter, mm. uh, who were accused of bewitching five girls from the Commonwealth Throckmorton family. Ooh, fancy. Not the Commonwealth, I'm sorry, the wealthy Throckmorton family. Throckmorton. During the proceedings, judges forced... Uh, the Samuels to demand that the devil release the girls from their spell by stating, as I am a witch, so I charged the devil to let Miss Throckmorton come out of her fit at this present. And when all the girls immediately recovered, guess what? The Samuels were fucking hung. As witches. That, they're making you say, because I'm a witch. Yeah. So, now they have you confessing to being a witch. You can't court. win. You can't like, win with these people. Oh my gosh, that was... They're witches. That's, that's yeah, so remember when I told you all in the beginning about LSD? Um, this is where I think it comes into play a little bit. I have to agree with you that someone was tripping on something. Because that shit just don't make no damn sense. No, it doesn't. They then, high as hell. They put it in a whole ass pamphlet. They high as hell making their pamphlets. <laughs> they're about pamphlets like old girl on Glee would hand yeah. out a pamphlet for everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're all the witches test pamphlets. Like, if you think someone's bewitched... Get you a dog piss cake. They have a commercial for the magistrates. If you or anyone you know or loved has been harmed by... Read this pamphlet. Read this pamphlet. Eat this cake. Get your oh, justice. Oh, man. So with that, I will give it back to Courtney so we can move on over to uh, the continuation of what happens here. All right. By May, the witch hunt had claimed its first victim, sadly, Sarah Osborne. She was one of the first accused. She died in prison on the 10th. So technically, the first quote-unquote witch to die. Seven judges were appointed to the court of Oyer and Terminer. Remember the court we talked about before the witch cakes? Yep. yep. <laughs> All, of course, were men. Uh, they were William Stoughton, who would go on to serve as governor of Massachusetts Bay, by the way. He was appointed chief of justice. The magistrates were Jonathan Corrin, Bartholomew Gedney, John Hawthorne, Nathaniel Sewell, Samuel Sewell, Peter Sargent, and this is a name guy. Okay. Wait Still Winthrop. That's true. You love that name. Wait Still Winthrop. And those are separate names. Separate names. Wait, yeah. Middle name Still. Yes. Name Winthrop. 
A big part of the trial was something known as spectral evidence, which this blows my mind. Um, Witch cakes are something, but this is just on a whole new level. That was a major point of drama throughout the year. What spectral evidence is, is testimony from the accusers and witnesses about, get this, the appearance of the accused spirit. So, So how they looked and seemed was a defining factor of whether or not someone lived or died. So their appearance and how they seemed and how they made you feel. <laughs> That's cute. So one of Nathaniel's over there drunk because he just got back from the war because he's the drummer. Yeah. And he was doing his little drummer boy thing up front of the war. And he's drinking. And he's a witch. And he made Ann Putnam feel ewy. <laughs> well, they were mean to Ann Putnam. Yeah. And made oh, him yeah, feel I'm like sure. he was a witch. So stupid. Okay, uh, Bridget Bishop, that's a name that a lot of us know from this Salem. Bridget Bishop was one of the, uh, was the first person to stand trial, the first person. She was first accused of witchcraft by the Five Little Mean Girls. Little is known of her other than she may have owned her own tavern in Salem Town, which, if that's true, then that would have made her a quote-unquote unconventional woman. A business owner. Yeah, a and a tavern. <gasps> Jeez. And it would not bode well in her favor, for sure. She was convicted on June 2nd, and eight days later, she would be hung for being a witch. The first of many to be hung in uh, the Salem Witch Trials on Gallows Hill, which, by the way, is now a memorial site for uh, those that lost their lives during this frenzy. And we'll kind of go over this towards the end, but on Gallows Hill, I think that they weren't hung there. I think it was, there's speculation about where they were actually hung. I think they were hung um, beneath it at the base of the hill. And there's a memorial there as well because um, people like to come and look. And I don't think they would haul these people up the hill. That's just personal opinion. Yeah, we'll cover it and go yeah, into more details. On June 30th, the hearings resumed. Five more women, including Rebecca Nurse, remember her? She was 71, Mm -hmm. and Sarah Good. They were marched to Gallows Hill and hanged on the 19th of July. Over the next month, five more people were indicted and were hanged on August 19th. Elizabeth Proctor would have been among them, but she was, I don't want to say lucky because, you know, she was accused But she was among them. She was um, the married lady. Her and her husband were both accused. Uh, She was pregnant, and that granted her a stay of execution. So her death was temporarily stalled. Her husband, John, however, wouldn't be so lucky. He was hanged as one uh, one of the five on the 19th. Their child would have been orphaned. So you think that with all of these deaths, the hysteria would have calmed, but no. In September on the 18th, uh, or no, sorry, on, in September, 18 more people were indicted. Jesus. They were on a roll. I'd also like to take the time to mention that it seemed no one batted an eye at the fact that almost all of the condemned, the so-called witches, were people who had feuded with the families of the little girls, accusing everyone. Yeah, it's like we said. Like everyone who was everyone accused and hanged pissed off the Putnams. Anyways, uh, two of the men hanged on the 19th were George Jacobs, Sr., and George Burroughs. Remember the minister of Salem? Mm-hmm. He recited the Lord's Prayer without issue. Well, the very next day, so the 20th, Jacob's granddaughter, Margaret Jacobs, recanted her testimony that she had given earlier that led to convictions and ex- executions. So she was like, I'm lying. 
I lied. Guess what happened to her? Let me guess. She was accused of witchcraft. She was accused of witchcraft. So it was thought that she named all these people in order to secure her own freedom. So, oh, yeah, she just wanted to be free. So basically, you had to choose between saving your own life and the lives of others in order to live. Else. Yeah, it's just so it's old, sad. The age-old moral question is: Is your life more than another person's, or how yep. many people are worth your life to you? Exactly. As the fall approached, grand juries handed down 18 more indictments. Then on September 18th, one of the more gruesome deaths occurred. Remember we said one um, died by um, pressing, I think crushed. I called, crushed, yeah. Uh, it was the death of Kyle Giles Corey was his name. Corey was born in England in 1611 and had come to Massachusetts during the Puritan migration. About 15 years prior... Corey had beaten one of his indentured servants so severely that the man eventually died from his injuries. So we're not talking about a nice guy. No. Now Corey was cleared of any charges because at that time, perfectly, perfectly legal to beat your slaves. Like you could totally do that and get away with it. So when Corey appeared in court after being accused of witchcraft and indicted, he refused to enter a plea, de- plea deal of guilty or enter a plea of guilty or not guilty, which. You don't do that. Mm -mm. But he was smart because he knew his way around the courts. That's why I told you about his background. Um, Without a plea, he couldn't be tried, according to the laws at this time. He most likely knew that, and he was trying to overthrow, you know, the system. However, as we can see, the courts took this witch shit really seriously, (laughs) and this wasn't going to fly. So they used a method called, this is French, I'm not good at it, Pigne, pin fort et dur. Sound good? Sounds great to me. I speak I'm zero French. I'm really so. trying, guys. Pin fort et dur. Count to three. <laughs> so this is what that is, because <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> Corey would be stripped of all of his clothes and forced to lay on his back. It's a method of torture, if you haven't guessed. He was forced to lay on his back with boards placed over his body. Then heavy rocks and boulders were placed onto those boards with every question that he wasn't able to answer. So the idea was that Corey would relent and enter a plea, but Corey was hard-headed, and even under such incredible pain, he did not give in. He was slowly crushed to death, which is awful death. Awful. Corey had refused to participate in anything to do with the witch hunts and trials, most likely because he had seen his wife convicted and executed after entering a plea. So he probably thought, if I don't enter a plea, I'll live. I don't know. It was just my opinion. No, I mean, it makes sense. Like, in their law at the time, if you don't plead something, you can't be tried for it. So he was like, you know what? Fuck y'all. Yeah. I'm not pleading shit. And... You know, the Matters boys and everybody else were like, no, this is the Puritan witch hunts, bro. We're going to crunch you the French way. We're going to French crush your ass <laughs> till you plead something. But it has a Frenchy, fancy French name, so, so we're going to do it. It sounds high society and <laughs> legit. Hate them. Uh, finally, after such a high number of convictions and executions, leaders begin to speak out against spectral evidence. Like, this isn't kind of, this isn't really humane, boys. This isn't the thing. <laughs> Which had accounted for the sensational testimony given by people who were absolutely lying through their teeth for their own personal gain or to save their own ass, one of the two, if not both. So this is a step in the right direction. We're moving. We're getting there. We're getting there. Increase Mather was, to his credit, was one of the first to speak out against such incredible testimony. Five days after Increase spoke out on spectral evidence, 
it was outlawed by Governor Phipps. So yay, yay increase. Phipps would then intervene and directly resolve the court of Boyer and Terminer, which is good. Then he went ahead and forbade officials from arresting any more potential witch- witches. So we were done with arresting any more witches, at least. So yeah, you're not going to arrest anybody else, but that doesn't make it just go away overnight. Right. Uh, yep. This didn't end the hysteria in Salem by any means. It merely slowed things down a little. I mean, the trials could not have occurred in the first place if Salem's residents didn't fervently believe in the existence of witchcraft altogether and the threat it imposed. So it had backing by the people, a lot of it. Well, that's why, that's why I brought it up in the beginning. The witch hunts had been going on for already 100 plus years. In oh, yeah. This so is this a is thing like a for thing. them. This is like, very important. the same thing, but yeah. you know, it's an outbreak or a pandemic in today's society. Like, yeah, you know it it's is. There, so you're increasing the hysteria. The, like, the hysteria is, yeah. is there from it. It's hard to know when the arrest would have slowed or stopped altogether had the colonial government not stepped in. On January 3rd, 1693, one of the most ardent supporters of the witch trials, Judge William Stoughton, attempted to actually follow through with the remaining executions. Asshole. However, Governor Phipps was like, no, 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 no. And he intervened, and Stoughton thankfully resigned. I hope he was forced to resign because he's kind of a jerk. Well, he didn't want the witches being released back into his people, so he wanted to kill them. Yeah, makes total sense. All of the remaining accused who were still in prison were released. It is unclear if Tichibo is amongst them, but she was, in fact, released. Later that same year, she was sold to a new master, and she left Salem for good, which, don't blame me, sister. Leave. They're crazy there. The aftermath of this ordeal was hard, especially for the families of the condemned. Even though the trials were over, the Puritans still looked upon the condemned families as if they had some tie to the devil themselves. Like, you know, I mean, it's just That's ridiculous. why he tried to execute the rest of them because they're still looked at as witches. Yeah. We just can't, we just, it didn't go away. We no, it didn't go away. We anybody else. Uh, absolutely. But it was a stain the, on society back then. No witches. Yeah. So, and you're, all of your family is supporter of it, if not witches themselves. If they take you back into the house, then y'all are a whole coven over there. Many would have to work for years to clear their family's name. It's just so sad. It was a stain on their family's name to be even accused. A whole decade later, 10 years later, the general court declared that the trials had been unlawful. (laughs) But they stopped short of issuing pardons for the people found guilty, dead, or alive. So they were like, yeah, we were kind of wrong, but like not that wrong. That's basically what happened. However, the pardons would come in 1711 when the colony passed a bill that also awarded financial restitution to the descendants of those executed for witchcraft, which that's the least they could do in my opinion. My bad. <laughs> you fucking killed your family members because these little bitches over here said so. so well, uh, speaking of little bitches, here's some money. this is my favorite. Anne Putnam. I w- when I was reading about all this, especially her, because I didn't even get, you know, dive too deep into her. But I was thinking something surely must have come of her. Like she was held accountable or tried or at least fined anything, you know? No. Oh, no. Ann Putnam, this little bitchy girl who basically started this mess, she, she issued a public apology for her role. She was super remorseful, apparently. However, she never offered an explanation. It was more of a, oops, my bad, LOL. <laughs> Oopsie doopsie. She did claim, however, that she was tricked by the devil into making these accusations. So it was still the devil's fault. Mm-hmm. She's still blaming witchcraft. Well, it's because the society still believes in that shit. 
I hope that she just had hemorrhoids every day for the rest of her life. <laughs> the worst hemorrhoids. <laughs> What's crazy is she's like the architect of all this. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, we've referenced the Salem show. She was like not the architect. She was like an innocent bystander in all of it. Marilyn Manson really dropped the ball on that one. He didn't though. He didn't? Because you think about the witch cakes. Oh, um, yeah. Well, no, think about, remember when Mercy Lewis in the TV show was accused of being a witch? They shaved her head and they put that. Yeah, that harness on her head. Yeah, and she would run around like a dog and attack. Yeah, and yeah. Like I remember that. Attack people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that were supposed witches. So it's he did do a lot of the turn it into something else. You know what I mean? Like it's, that. It's, they could have made the Anne correlation look. between those two things. They, they could have made, made Anne look worse though. Yeah, not Mary Sibley. Yeah, they should have made Anne put on Mary Sibley. It's still unknown as to where the bodies of the executed are laid to rest. Unfortunately, some evidence suggests that the families had claimed the bodies, but. I personally cannot see this happening with Salem superstitiousness. I just Mm -hmm. can't see them doing that. I'm more keen on this theory. So there was a project conducted by scholars from the University of Virginia in 2016, so recently. Uh, They determined that the bodies were tossed off the side of Proctor's Ledge, which is where I was saying is at the base, I believe. I could be wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's at the base of Gallows hill where they were they were said to have been hanged and i believe they were hanged on proctor's ledge and then they just cut them down and then tossed them over that edge well maybe i mean even if it's at the bottom of the hill yeah they can still cut them down from the top of, of gallows hill let them roll down and throw them off the side of the cliff i think so yeah that makes more sense to me than oh, hauling yeah. them up a hill the other thing you had mentioned maybe they hung them off the ledge like they didn't actually have like yeah could be. Gallows. They actually hung them off the side Well, of no, the they cliff. didn't have gallows, but they called it gallows. Just, that's, but yeah. that's what I mean. Like, maybe they were throwing them off the cliff. And with, they hung them off the cliff. They hung them, and then when they were Could dead, be. they just cut the ropes and let them go. Yeah, because everyone visualizes a tree, right? A tree or, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, style. something like, like that. gallow. Yeah, and we just don't know. You know, no. there's speculation. At most, but. it was a tree, if anything. The most disappointing thing, though, is the group of five little mean girls who started this. <laughs> they all went on to live their lives. They really fell off of public record after the trials ended, so we don't know what happened to them. Hopefully, bad hemorrhoids. Like I said, they deserve it. For more than... <laughs> like witch cakes every day for the rest of their life. That's all they get to eat. <laughs> the LSD pea cakes. For more than 200 years, most of Salem tried to ignore and just deny that these trials ever happened. I imagine it was pretty damn shameful, so can't blame them. However, popular culture has kept this alive and well in history. Like with TV shows, literature, the crucible. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. It's a, it's a cult following almost. Like it's never going to die. It is a cult following. And uh, it, it's, it's good that you put it like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone... You, know, you have modern day Wiccas, which are just a religious group or religion. It's the white witches. The, but they basically they believe in the earth the and earth, the yeah. Right? But everyone thinks if you're a witch or even if you believe in Wicca, which is bad, basically yeah. a devil worshiper. That and it all yeah. every witch story nowadays mm-hmm. somehow relates back in someone's mind to Salem. Oh, I mean, it's just like this was the birthplace of witch. When you say witchcraft. witch. You think Salem? I do at least. You don't even think Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Oh, you hit the lamp. Hit That's the okay. Lamp. You don't even think Spanish Inquisition or Scottish or, or English murders of witches in the 1400s. No, you think Salem. The first thing that comes to your mind is freaking Salem. Absolutely. And that's because of pop culture. It's because of pop culture and good because this needs to be kept alive and well. It needs to serve as a staunch reminder of 
what humanity is capable of when yeah. left to their own devices, really. What was that, how, uh, that movie? The Gallows. Was the Gallows. Off, the Gallows was based off of Salem. No, it wasn't. Yes. <gasps> it was. In a roundabout In way, In a roundabout way, it was going it, back to the witch was, trials. It was a kid that was hung during a play. Watch that movie, guys, if you haven't. It's the awesome. the Salem witch trials. And yeah. he was accidentally hung on stage in the high school. We should watch and that again. Love it. Kept replaying. Loves it. One of the best movies. Uh, yeah. It just it just shows, to me, it just shows that people have always sucked and they always will suck. But hopefully we can keep people from sucking less in the future by not letting history repeat itself, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the scariest things. Like you talk about, it's not one of these serial killers or sex serial necrophiliac rapists. <laughs> but what scares me the most about it is the power that... Fear can have on humans in a group. Oh, in a group. Your, your mass a hysteria. Group. Yeah. It's almost like logic and reason. They go out the window. Just disappear. Nope. More so Non-existent. Than if, were, if it was one on one, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You have them pee and make a cake and feed it to the dog? The, the one, hell? the few people that stood up in the middle of this and be like, hey guys, I think we're a little bit out in left field here. Which hung. <laughs> and that made sense to them. And that mind. made sense to them and as they were a whole. So scared. As a community. Because they were so scared of this. And then what happened? Everyone's scared to come forward now until you get the outside, the you know, the um, outside governments come in and be like, y'all y'all good over here? Jesus, what's happening? They didn't do that. They came in and said, whoa, y'all are hey, you're getting a lot of people to keep. We need to hang them faster. Hang them faster. <laughs> hang them faster. <laughs> hang them faster. <laughs> They're too full. I don't want to pay for the prisons anymore. What the fuck is this? <laughs> and then finally somebody was like, uh, is, that a, is that a was dog? Like, no, Increase was like, yeah, I don't think we should condemn anybody anymore by saying I think they f- were witches because they felt some type of way. They made me feel weird. And it tells you how much power he has because the governor, too, like, what, five days later was like, yeah, it's outlawed. That's wrong. <laughs> and Increase started this whole thing. The Mathers, if you remember him from the TV shows and the movies, he's like, I, I equate him as this, like, video game, like, paladin character. There's a holy warrior of God is just how he supposedly... He's emo. Yeah, but he's, he, he thinks <laughs> he's of himself. He's emo. He thinks he, thinks he has a God a complex. He's a warrior of God. He has a God complex. If not God, he thinks of himself as a warrior of God for sure, but he definitely has a God complex. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, um, yeah, so that is the Salem witch trials, or at least our version of it. We. It's not our version of it. It's the historical version it's of a, it. But, I mean, it's our take on it. I well, guess we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Our opinion, but it's our hot take. I mean, there's lots more. This is just the route I chose to take to cover 100%. it. Um, next week, we're going to return to our regularly scheduled programming of serial <laughs> sadists and horrible, Man, evil pudding people. I so miss some serial killers that rape dead bodies. No, he's, this one doesn't rape dead bodies, so we'll be good. But he's crazy. Oh, he's crazy. No, I don't know who it is, but again, like always. But, uh, he's crazy. You're like, this one's ridiculous. Oh, he's... Like, how do you say that after the ones we've done already with Israel Keys and Bundy and... Well, they're all awful, but each one of them bring the their own killer element to their crimes that it's like, Jesus. Yeah, it's an extra WTF every single time. Every that. single time. Every single time. And... Uh, next week's going to be no exception. So stay tuned. We will see you guys next week. And we love you so much. And thank you for being patient. And yep. um, and uh, as always, you know, we're be on good to each other. Every platform, share, like, comment. We love your comments. We try to interact with them. At uh, Evil Pudding Podcast on Instagram. Still working on the Facebook. Got to get that set up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we love y'all. Woohoo. Bye.